Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good morning, folks. We are going to jump right into it. We have retired Colonel Alex Gann. He is a retired colonel and fighter pilot for the Israeli Air Force, now living in a small village in northern Israel. And we have had the uh, opportunity to periodically check in with him to see uh, what is the state of the state in Israel? And Colonel, welcome to the show. Good evening. Thank you for having me. Uh, Colonel, there's still a lot of discussion here in the United States of trying to reach this two-state solution. Obviously, Hamas is not willing to give up. They've made some ridiculous demands of uh, the IDF and the Israeli government here recently that has been rejected uh, by same your thoughts about the status of what's happening at the present time? Well, uh, <laughs> it's a very chaotic situation, and uh, the, the the data is not clear for, for everybody. We start with the hostages. The hostages are, are the, the the base question and the most fundamental issue in this whole thing. As long as they are they are not returned, there's no agreement. Uh, nothing will stop. It will go on until it will be uh, finished in a military way. And uh, as we can see, Hamas is not so uh, excited, and they think they still think the situation. They can afford to to bargain and to put demands which are uh, actually non-realistic. Uh, on their demand side, I think. They really surprised also the the U.S. and the Egyptians and the Qataris that their demands were non uh, non negotiable even, and I think uh, it's up to Qatar and Egypt to put a lot of pressure on them. If that will not happen, a deal will not happen, and the, the situation will will go on as it is today, because Israel will not stop until we get the hostages back. We will not stop. Uh, and the next step for us, in, in a few, I think I, I estimate that within the next uh, week or two, we will finish with uh, with the community area. Uh, basically, uh, the Israeli IDF managed to demolish the whole uh, Hamas uh, defense and their battalions in the in the Hamunis area. So the last uh, major area is uh, Rafiah, Rafa, in the south of uh, Gaza, and that will not be easy because of all most of the of the refugees from Gaza went down south, 
And we do not want to cause a huge amount of casualties. So eventually the refugees will be moved again, mostly back to the north or maybe partly to their places in, in, in Gaza. Or maybe there's another solution. And only then we'll go in and, and clean uh, Rafa from uh, the Hamas. And that's the way it stands today. And now no one wants to do that. It's, uh, it will be very costly to everybody and casualties from both sides. But until we will find the refugees and return them back, nothing, uh, nothing will stop. Actually, just I, I saw on the TV now, just to, just to update you, that I don't know how updated you are, uh, our uh, soldiers and uh, under the hospital now, there's the second largest hospital in uh, Gaza, which, in, uh, which is in Hanunis. Our soldiers went in and actually... Most likely, we found the medications that were sent to our hostages and were not given to them. So we see who we deal with. Yes, go ahead. Are you? What What is the mood in Israel right now as it relates to the the U.S. policy? Um, kind of been stuck on stuck as to whether or not there's going to be any further aid. Uh, the, the way that it works strategically down here and passing legislation through Congress as we tie it to any number of issues, some of which have something to do with the Middle East, a lot of it which has nothing to do with the Middle East. But we, there seems to be a, a little shaky resolve as it relates to uh, aid. I, I, I can't say. I'm, uh, from what we hear here, as the U.S. is still helping us and providing us with uh, a, a very valuable amount of aid. It's, very, it's essential for us, uh, the USAID, and it's still, it's still coming in. I think uh, the, the Biden uh, uh, regime is doing a good uh, job uh, regarding the aid. I think uh, they're trying now to, to link the aid to the uh, political uh, day after what will happen in Gaza. And uh, I think... I think they're doing the right way, the right thing. I think the Israeli government, uh, which is, uh, I think, the worst government we ever had, are not uh, doing their job. They're not planning ahead what to happen because they're, they're only in their politics. And while the military is doing a fantastic job, the government is terrible. So I think, actually, the demand of the Biden uh, regime from the Israeli government is to think ahead and plan ahead is, uh, is uh, the right thing to do. I, I, I support that. How far should they go uh, if they want to declare a, a, a two-state solution uh, up front? I think that's taking it too far. But they're looking for ways to put a pressure on Netanyahu and his government. But the ultimate goal is the two-state solution. I mean, that's what the Biden administration is telling the Palestinians that are living here in this country is that, you know, it, it will never be acceptable to the U.S. for Palestinians to be removed from Gaza. And yeah, I, I don't think. I mean, is, is there is there a mood still in Israel that there's a hope of a two states solution? Uh, yes, depends depends who you who talk to. Look, we have to be realistic. There are, uh, between the river and the sea, as everybody has a chance today, 
There are right. uh, maybe eight and a half million uh, Jews and uh, five million uh, Palestinians. And uh, it's not, I don't think it's realistic that, that Israel should, uh, should uh, rule the Palestinians and we shouldn't take care of the Palestinians. It's about time that they have a country of, of their own and a state of their own, but uh, based on the, their history of their behavior and the way they act, this it's, it's not exactly a, a state, but this should be, uh, uh, they should be, uh, I would say, without uh, an army. They should uh, be, they should have a very strong economy of their own. They should, their education system should be uh, changed. And eventually, if they uh, perform in a peaceful way for years, then they'll have a right to have their autonomy and, and their maybe even a, a, a state and country as long as they do not uh, continue what they have been doing for 100 years is, is threatening uh, the existence of Israel. But uh, it's a long way to go, and it, uh, it's, uh, n- nothing is instant here in the, in the Middle East. It will take years. So, uh, But I don't think that, the, that we should... Uh, rule and uh, the Palestinians uh, forever. It's, it's not, uh, I don't think it's uh, the right thing to do. Uh, for, and it's not good for us. And it's not right. good for them. No, I, I, I don't disagree at all. We're, we're speaking with retired Colonel Alex Gann, former fighter pilot for the Israeli Air Force, now living in northern Israel. Um, obviously, the United Nations would play a major role in this. And this seems to me to be a biased, dysfunctional organization. Just the other day, an official, Martin Griffiths, who oversees the coordination of the U.N.'s um, humanitarian aid in his capacity as the Undersecretary General for Humanitarian Affairs, basically referred to Hamas. He said they're not a terrorist by the U.N. definition. They're not a terrorist organization. There are, they are a political movement with aspirations well, to which the world <laughs> must cater. Yeah, I mean, well, that's, it, that's a pile of you-know-what, I don't want to say that. But, but again, you know, the U.N. Uh, but I bring, been... I, bring it up, I bring it up because the, the political infrastructure that we have today, right, and the folks that we have historically and traditionally looked to to manage a lot of these disputes diplomatically and otherwise, to be the independent arbiter of a whole lot of things, ends up being this organization, which is completely biased and dysfunctional. And unless and until we have a different way of handling this, I don't see a high likelihood of success no matter how many people come to the table with a desire to get something done. I, I agree with you. The, U, the UN is, uh, has lost its credibility in our area a long time ago. And even now it's losing it more because, you know, we find now that the UNRWA, the UN uh, aid uh, for, for the Palestinian refugees, <laughs> it's actually ridiculous because the UN has a refugee agency for the whole world and one especially for the Palestinians. And this UNRWA in, in Gaza... We just found last week uh, underneath their main building in uh, Rafa a whole infrastructure of Hamas, which the whole Hamas intelligence 
center with the computers and everything was under the UN uh, building. And the UN yeah, uh, manager Beautiful. said, oh, we never heard about it, we never knew about it, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. And we have more and more people from UNRWA that we already see that they were uh, participating in, in the massacre of the 7th of October. So we know what they are, and we, uh, uh, and I think now that uh, also uh, many of the states have stopped the funding for UNRWA. UNRWA should be shut down. The UN has really uh, a very small role to play because we know it's biased. Because if you have, and uh, under the, the close to 200 nations and the, the UN, uh, 150 or 60 automatically support our. So we know what to expect from them. But right. not all countries in the U.N. have the same weight. And we see now that if the U.S., mostly, and the Europeans, they understand exactly what's going on. And also we see that, that a great deal of the Arab countries surrounding us, they are sitting quiet. They're, they are praying for us to crush Hamas because they know if, they, if we don't do that, within a few years Hamas will be... Uh, their backyard. So uh, the UN here is actually, they're not a major player. We should, uh, they don't perform. And I think, I don't know how many years it will take, but eventually the UN will uh, lose more and more of its weight and eventually, uh, I don't know, evaporate. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 what mystifies me is is that there's this almost unspoken fear of the collapse of the U.N. And I, I just have a difficult time from the outside looking in, especially what has been revealed as, as to the manner in which they conduct themselves during the course of, of this war and conflict. Uh, they're choosing sides. Um, their their mm-hmm. rhetoric is just over the top. Um, it, it's incredibly anti-Semitic uh, in, in their approach. They're, they're not unbiased by any stretch of the imagination and yet we are providing uh, this country for example millions upon millions upon millions of dollars for the upkeep we host the UN uh, in New York City and I'm not sure that that it's worth it and and I think this falling out (laughs) of disfavor you know because this war has taken on multiple iterations and it and it is revealed the underbelly of a lot of what's going on in the Middle East, and as an Israeli, I got to imagine that it's incredibly frustrating, uh, because not only are you fighting Hamas, you now have issues with a lot of skirmishes with Hezbollah in the north. And I wanted to ask you about that, as to where we are with that conflict that's going on on the northern border. I would put it this way: uh, Hezbollah are also a terrorist group. And they're also a proxy of Iran. So they actually are, are acting according to the Iranian, uh, I would say, policy. So what's happening there in the north, they're firing into our uh, villages from the north, still uh, limited to a certain area about, uh, of about, uh, I would say, uh, uh, four to five miles from, from the border. And uh, we are firing back at them. Eventually, what they're, they're saying, they do, they do not want a full-scale war with Israel because they know, although we will suffer a huge amount of damage, they will be uh, completely eliminated, and Lebanon will be completely destroyed. 
and we were selling it out loud. And they know the cost would be uh, huge for Lebanon. The cost would be huge for them, but most of all, the cost would be for Iran. Because Iran is counting on the Hezbollah as a kind of a balance for an, uh, an option that uh, a conflict will open between Israel and Iran directly or the U.S. and Iran directly. So Iran doesn't want it to happen. We don't want it also uh, at this uh, time because, you know, we don't want to fight in two, uh, uh, two fronts at the same time. But although we already, most of the IDF is now uh, prepared to fight in the north. They're out of Gaza. We did most of the work in Gaza. And most of the forces facing north and prepared to do that. Uh, Can I, I interrupt you right there? Can yes. I ask you one question? Is this just not a question of if, but a question of when uh, this conflict with Hezbollah starts? Yeah, I mean, most it, it likely, just... yes. Yes, okay. most likely, yes. And a lot of people in Israel say, if we must go through this uh, uh, Via Dolorosa, so let's do it now and get, uh, get it rid of. And uh, I think actually it's the majority of the people feel that uh, should be done now. Um, we are still hoping also for, for a, uh, a political solution. Actually, there was, because uh, in 2006, there was the uh, uh, 1701 resolution of the UN, of the ceasefire mm-hmm. between Israel and, and Hezbollah. And that uh, resolution says exactly where Hezbollah should stay. It's north of the Litani River. And everybody... Uh, uh, said they, they'll they'll uh, vow for that. It's the the U.S., the Russians, the, the All Security Council, even Qatar signed that agreement. And eventually, they did not. They broke the agreement and they went down south. But if they'll go back to uh, to the north, uh, maybe it will change or postpone the conflict with them. But again, uh, the, Israel is now very. Uh, Unpatient, because we understand what happened, and we understand the threats we're, we're facing, and we know that uh, if it will happen, uh, we'll have to go in and eventually eradicate the Hezbollah once and for all. Yeah, I mean, just from afar looking at it, that's what it feels like to me. Um, yeah, you know, it's just how many more times do we have to go through this where we have this? negotiated peace settlement, whatever gains that Israel makes from a land acquisition perspective they, you know, the Israelis have always uh, uh, was conciliatory and gave the land back. And it's like, well, how, how many times, how many times do we go through this exercise? And then in the interim, we still get bombed. And, you know, the, the, the Iron Dome to me uh, was brilliant in one way and uh, detrimental in another um, because it, you've taken a defensive posture and you've tried to yes. create a safe harbor for your citizens by not eliminating or annihilating the enemy. Um, yes, and, I agree and, with that. You know, you coexist. It's almost like a video game in many respects. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, from looking at it from afar, it feels like it's really surreal. And and I always mm-hmm. try to put myself in the shoes of an Israeli or a Palestinian and wonder why in the hell would I want to live like that in that environment? 
<laughs> I mean, it just, mm-hmm. it just it, you know, for us as Americans, it's like it makes no sense. It doesn't make sense to us, but we don't have a choice. Yeah. As, uh, as we, uh, we got a huge wake-up call in October. And uh, a lot of our uh, understandings have been uh, really, you know, back into focus of what's happening around us. And uh, we understand, you know, we are here in the Middle East. It's a very hostile environment. But this is our home, and we are here to defend it, and we will. And we will, uh, we will, we have no, uh, I would say this, our perspective or our attitude we have less patience. We're, we are willing to take more aggressive actions against our enemies because we see what happens if we don't. And in the Middle East and with the, with the Arab population, this is the culture. Now, if you're strong and if you beat him in the head, he will listen to you. He, they usually they don't listen to, to soft talk and to a deal, and they will, they will not uh, uh, honor a deal. It doesn't. It doesn't work for them. They honor a deal as long as it works for them. So yeah. we know. Uh, we we understand. We we learned slowly, but we have to change the culture. And the Western countries are very, very slow in understanding it. But Salavi, uh, that's it. Yep. Colonel, thank you so much for joining us. We truly appreciate the time. Best of luck to you, and stay safe, my friend. We really appreciate the. Uh, the backdrop that you give us uh, to the happenings in Israel every time that we check in with you. But most importantly, stay safe. Thank you, and you're welcome. And uh, keep dry. I understand you have also rain like we have. Yes. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> okay. Take care. Uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you. That's Colonel Alex Gann, uh, retired colonel and fighter pilot for the Israeli Air Force, now living in a small village in northern Israel. Uh, we'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So you just heard me talk about this U.N. aid chief that said that Hamas is a political movement. And for them, the U.N. that is, Hamas is not a terrorist organization. 
Well, he went even a little further. He said it's very difficult to dislodge these groups without a negotiated solution, which includes their aspirations. This guy must be an idiot. The aspirations of Hamas is to annihilate Israelis, Jews, and to take over their land from the river to the sea. Where has he been? Why are we funding this collective group of idiots? It's amazing to me that we continue to go down this path. No one's calling these folks out for saying this. We sit on our hands and say nothing. He later tried to walk his statement back, as always. That's what they do. That Hamas's acts of terror on, on 7 October, and writing that he merely meant to say that is, it's not on the U.N. Security Council's list of terrorist organization. Oh, that makes it better. Maybe we ask the question, why? Why is that? Why are they not on the terrorist list? What do you have and how do you have to conduct yourself to get on the terrorist list? Legitimate question, one would think, right? One would think that maybe our appointment to the U.N. might be asking that question. One might also think that um, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken might be asking that question as well. But no, he was asking other questions the other day. In fact, he put out a cable uh, earlier this month which instructed State Department employees to have to avoid using common terms like mother, father, son, daughter, husband, and wife. Why? Because when we use those words, we are making assumptions about another person's gender identity based on their appearance or their name, and it can be problematic, and it sends a harmful, exclusionary message. The subject on the cable that he sent out to the Department of State was modeling DEIA, gender identity best practices, and its aim is to increase understanding of gender identity and provide guidance on gender identity language and best practices that support an inclusive work environment. He's over there, right, in the Middle East, and this is what he's sending out. The cable says that gender is a social construct. Gender is a social construct, and that gender identity is a person's innermost concept of self as masculine, feminine, a blend of both or neither, which may or may not correspond with one's sex assigned at birth. It suggests that State Department employees identify their pronouns in their email signatures and when introducing themselves in meetings to show respect and avoid misunderstanding commonly used pronouns could include she her he him they them z zer the the cable ads adding that some people use more than one set of pronouns and some people may accept all pronouns this is a personal decision that should be respected the cable specifically instructs staffers to use gender neutral language whenever possible and they gave examples. Problematic terms. Manpower. That's out. You guys, 
not good. Ladies and gentlemen, that is off the table. And mother, father, son, daughter, husband, wife should be avoided. Better to use terms like labor force. Everyone, folks, you all, parent, child, spouse, or partner instead, the cable says. When speaking, avoid using phrases like the brave men and women on the front lines. The cable adds, suggesting that staffers use more specific language, such as brave first responders, brave soldiers, brave Department of State agents. The cable also instructs State Department employees not to pressure someone to state their pronoun. So if you have a desire, a strong desire to get it right, in light of all of this that's coming down as a result of this cable, he's even going to the next level of saying, got to maintain balance. You might misspeak, you may offend, but let's not get too crazy in trying to pressure people to tell you what their pronoun is because your quest to get it right may still be offensive. And you also have to remember one important thing about all of this. The pronoun of today may not be the pronoun of tomorrow because the gender identity may be fluid it changes day to day could change hour to hour who knows so you have to be abundantly careful so as to not offend the fluidity of gender identity the state department has made this significant commitment to this endeavor they hired a chief diversity and inclusion officer appointed as a special representative for racial equity and justice and named a special envoy to advance the human rights of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and intersex persons. The department has also announced a third gender marker on passports. And we wonder why it's so hard to get a passport now. We wonder why that there have been these delays. We've been more focused on getting a third gender marker on passports for people who don't identify as a male or a female. And they plan to hold a 10-day, 10-day after-hours event to educate staffers about diversity, equity, and inclusion, accessibility topics, and mandated that U.S. diplomats advance DEI as part of their criteria or their promotions. In conversations with folks, there's been a lot of frustration about they've made no progress on diversity, equity, and inclusion of this historically white male institution, the State Department. And in fact, according to a report this week in the New Republic, the report claims that the current and former staffers with first-hand knowledge of the Office of Diversity and Inclusion say that the department, the State Department is struggling to retain employees and expand diversity. I wonder why. We'll be right back. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 
Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. So I got a lot of text saying, what about Donald Trump's comments at a campaign rally in South Carolina last weekend uh, that he would encourage Russia to attack NATO allies who didn't pay? He has been on that uh, the forefront of that issue about making sure that they, are, they pay the percentage of GDP that's required to be a member of NATO. But this is not the way to do it. This is an idiotic statement. You don't encourage your enemy, Russia, to attack your allies because they're not meeting the financial requirements of NATO that they committed to, that they signed on to, that they went into with their eyes wide open. You do this diplomatically, rather, meeting with these member countries in order to encourage them to do so, or you try to pass resolutions within NATO that they don't get the full Monty of NATO if they don't pay. No ticky, no laundry. You don't get it. Plain and simple. But you can't go in there acting as though, um, you know, you're a king and you start threatening by supporting your enemy against your ally. This is the classic reason of why I have continued to say and will continue to do so that he, Donald J. Trump, is not the future of the Republican Party. This is not how you can conduct yourself on the international stage and think that we will be able to maintain the credibility of the United States around the world. It's not an all-or-nothing proposition. It never will be. It never has been. And the sooner that Donald J. Trump comes to that recognition, the more likely or the better chance he may have of actually winning. Statements like this is not about getting your base to the polls. He may think that it is. You got to get independents to the polls to vote for you because they're not enough Republicans, Republicans alone, to elect you. When you continue to make idiotic statements like this, you give political fodder to the other side. It didn't take long before the Biden administration or the Biden campaign started cutting commercials about this idiotic statement made by Donald Trump. And this is the problem. When you have chaos like this. Now, the UN, it can be as bad as bad can be. NATO can be as bad as bad can be. But these are organizations made up by its members, 
country members, who are our, many of whom are our allies. You have to walk a fine line and understand the political nuances and intricacies of our allies. They don't always think like us. They don't always do like us. They don't always react like us. Because the same political tiptoe through the tulips that our folks are doing each and every day, they have to do that over there as well. They're trying to satisfy those in the middle, if they're on the right, or if they're on the left. It's not too terribly different. So when you double down and make statements like this, it ends up becoming very problematic. And don't be surprised if these polls that have been in his favor, Donald J. Trump, here most recently, whether or not they don't change. Because if you go week after week after week after week making idiotic statements for the shock factor of what it is you're doing or standing for, you begin to erode your own popularity. You begin to turn off the independent voter. You, you begin to turn off the moderate thinker. And without the moderate thinker, you are not getting elected. Plain and simple. Let's take another example. He attacked the Republican candidate in the most recent House race to replace Santos, who resigned, because this individual, in his view, was not a MAGA Republican. Well, there wasn't a MAGA Republican in the race. But instead of just sucking it up and taking one for the team, because if we win the presidency, but we lose the Senate and we lose the House, we've gained nothing. In fact, we may be in a worse place than we are now. But for whatever reason, stupid is as stupid does, doesn't understand that this is about not only his win, this is about the party's win. And it's another classic example of why we don't get to the finish line come November. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back, folks. When we come back after the top of the break news, we'll visit with Brian Locke. He is an anchor with the Odyssey Station in Kansas City, KMBZ. Uh, We all know about the shooting that killed a local DJ and injured more than 20 others, including children, uh, while celebrating a Super Bowl victory rally for the Kansas City Chiefs. So we'll check in. Uh, with Brian to see uh, the latest there and more importantly uh, get a feel for the pulse of the city right now the mood um, of the city Uh, I have to imagine it's very somber uh, when you think about this type of celebration everyone has waited for a Super Bowl victory in an NFL town fortunately we know what that's all about and what it's like Um, I think they went back-to-back Super Bowl victories, much to be celebrated. 
there. We'll find out what's happening in Kansas City when we come back. So stay with us. In the 12 o'clock hour, we'll check in with Mike Haas. A lot of new hires on the offense, three or four, and they're thinking about moving their training camp to Irvine, California. We'll talk about that. And we'll check in with the Human Resources Director at Host on their job fair. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.